Mm-hmm. And then we go to Thornhill with the great open line from Alice Cooper. Sorry to disrupt the witching hour at Thornhill. I want it on a t-shirt. Not to be confused with my favorite Alice Cooper opening line. School that for summer. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I know, terrible. We all do. It's not even the opening line of that song. <laughs> to XOXO Riverdale. This is actually going to be a really fun episode because we have another special guest. We have Scott Interante with us. Yay. (laughs) Hey, Scott. (laughs) Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. This is so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, how did you find our podcast? So I found you guys on the Riverdale subreddit, oh. uh, which I frequent a lot because I'm too obsessed with this television show. Hachi tachi. Yeah, and I needed a new Riverdale podcast to sort of go through my rewatch before the second season. New, if not only? It is, well, it is... Okay, new, you're supposed to agree to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the best one, and everyone should listen to Perfect. this one. thank you. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, 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 we acknowledge that there are other podcasts out yes. there, but honestly, we don't have the time to follow or, or know what's going on No, it's true. Yeah, actually... Between um, C-SPAN and political podcasts, yeah. <laughs> I'm fresh out of time. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for me... For you, you know, Mainly, I just try to figure out, like, the names of random Muppets for the Muppet <laughs> website I write for. It's true. So. We have a lot of weird things going on, but that's Louis Perlman. It's true, and that's Kate Vatter. Woo, She's great. Uh, big fan. Oh my god, thank you. Oh my god, you're so welcome. I mean, here we are. Uh, we're at episode 12. Do we want to give... I have some extra listener shout-outs. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I will say that, I mean, we're always biggest in the U.S., mm. but our number two right now is Australia. Ooh. Oh, wonderful. Good day to our Australian <laughs> yes. mates. Good day. Throw some shrimp on, on the, the, the barbecue. Barbie. Yes, on the barbecue. Um, yes. Look out for drop bears. Yes. Exactly. And number three is Sweden, and I will say for cities, we kind of peaked a little bit in the Bay Area, and I think it's because of our episode with <laughs> Annalie That's right. and... Yeah. Meredith. Yeah. Also, shout out to any of my cousin Jillian Vatter's friends or Graham. I think they share friends because they're twins, but I they were all girls, so I think they're probably Jillian's friends because they're 14. So oh, shout out to the, all the, the, the All the cool 14-year-olds from Barrington, Rhode Island. Cool. And I'd like to give a shout out to myself for being so cool and doing this podcast. Oh, boy. <laughs> Louis canceled. <laughs> yeah, this is my this is my Canceling Louis. That's a wrap. Oh, man. Do you want to give any shout-outs, Scott? Um, no. This is, like, great. <laughs> Actually, know. no. Wait, no, I, I, I was going to say you were right to not give any shout-outs, but I want to hear it I want to give, give shout-outs to, um, so I'm in a group of, like, Gilmore fans, like, Gilmore Girls fans, oh, okay. and we have a subgroup of Riverdale Gilmore Girls oh, fans. Interesting, interesting. So shout-out to the Riverdale Gillies out there. Oh, Riverdale oh. Gillies. Yeah. I love it. That's so nice. Never seen an episode of Gilmore Girls. You know what? It's great. 
Yeah, I I've heard that too. Yeah. I haven't seen an episode either. Doesn't interest me. As someone who rewatches the OC, Gilmore Girls oh. does not interest as, me. As someone lower who, loves, stakes. who loves Carol King, I feel like yes. I should watch Gilmore Girls. Yes, if you yeah. like, are you into like Jane Austen novels? No, I actually will wildly discredit. You I, know what? Discredit. I Gilmore don't. Girls might not be for you. Yeah, that's my feeling. <laughs> So we have some social media news to we do. delve into. We do, we do, One we of them do. One I... is hot off the presses for me and is so crazy important. I'm so excited for, for you to talk about yeah, this. Yeah. But you talk you want about me to it. Go first. Okay. So this is what I want to uh, contextualize this with: is I want to give you guys a history of music supervisor Don Kirshner, which I've wanted to do for a really long time on this podcast. So. Don Kirshner was a music supervisor and a producer who was brought in to supervise all the music for the Monkees back when the band The Monkees, who, for the, our listeners that don't know, were a manufactured band that were created for a sitcom. I was about to say, you know, also think like Together, but I think probably more listeners are familiar <laughs> with The Monkees than, than Together. together. Well, no, Together was pretty great. Well, oh, I mean, yeah, I know more of their songs than The Monkees. And, and Scott, Scott and I were talking before this podcast rolled, and he's an expert uh, in a few modern boy bands, and, and also like manufactured bands. Well, yeah, well, we were talking about Big Time Rush, mm-hmm. which was like a sort of modern oh, reboot of yeah. The Monkees. Yeah. yeah, Big Time Rush is I a mean, modern I mean, it's interesting to think that yeah. our own uh, Louis Proman is that kind of sort of boy band. I know, totally. Oh, yeah, sorry. Because Lou Pearlman, Lou Pearlman right. was the guy who managed all of those. My, rest in peace. My you name know? nemesis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he did a lot for my taste in music, but not a lot of other good things. No, not a lot yeah. of good things for the world. So, so Kirshner was supervising the Monkees' music, and he was making the calls uh, when it came to what was being released on certain singles and albums. And then the monkeys themselves wanted to start recording their own songs and releasing their own material, and Kirshner was dead set against it. And what led to Kirshner being fired from the Monkeys Project was that he replaced a song without the Monkeys' permission. It was going to be their first song that they had written themselves on the B-side of a single, and he replaced it with a song that was like a, another canned song from his stable of songwriters. So he got released from the Monkees Project because the Monkees were sort of becoming this entity unto themselves. And Kirshner said to himself, the next time I do this, I'm going to create a band that is completely controllable in every single aspect. And what he did is he basically created the Archies, which begat the Archies uh, TV show, the, the Archies cartoon, and then begat the song Sugar Sugar, which is one of the greatest songs of all time, and anybody that says otherwise is wrong. But Sugar Sugar, which was sung by the Archies, which were the Archie Comics characters as a band, as we've discussed in this podcast before. So, the Archies have a comic series right now, and it was just announced today, and I'm like literally shitting my pants thinking about this, <laughs> that finally, after all these years, these two... Kirshner-related bands are going to meet each other in comic book form when in issue number four of The Archies, The Archies are going to meet the monkeys. I can't wait to see what Mike Nesmith has in common with Jughead Jones. So excited for that. Or what Mickey Dolenz is going to do when he's hanging out with, I don't know, oh, perhaps Dilton. Or maybe (laughs) Peter Tork will take Midge on a date. We don't know yet. We don't know the plot of this, but I, there, it is rife with possibilities. I'm so excited. I can't even, I cannot wait for it to come out 
January 2018. I am going nuts. What if it comes out on our birthday? If it comes out on my birthday. Our birthday. Oh, yeah, that's right. Our (laughs) birthday. That's right. We have the same birthday. If it comes out on our birthday, then it means that, like, some of the people that I'm acquainted with at Archie Comics, like Dan Perrin and, like, Alex Segura... Uh, that they were like Facebook stalking me and they were like, we're gonna just do this just for Louie. What if they yeah. did it for me? Well, do you love the monkeys as much as me? I don't, it's did, true. Did you once go backstage at a Mickey Dolan show to hear where he was drinking and then go to the bar oh before my he God. got there and then have him sit next to you? <laughs> That's because so I did that once. With, did you see he was on Difficult People a few weeks ago? Yeah, he was so funny on so Difficult funny. People, but I don't want to tangent too far away from Archie stuff, but I'm so excited about that. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna bring up the monkeys and then i remembered that i got a text a few days ago on sunday at 420 baby <laughs> baby <laughs> baby 420 a text from former guest meredith that said from my brother can you follow up with that guy about his archie musical are there recordings listeners are eager to know oh great um my composer is in the process of recording demos as we speak wow and uh, i did a rewrite of it about four and a half weeks ago now five weeks ago ish and the rewrite went really really well and i'm really excited about that show that show's called joey and ron it should be coming to a staged reading near you if you live in the new york area i'll let you guys know on the podcast yeah near you new york yeah near you if you live in new york so some other cast and social meds and the like updates we have five i believe five maybe six of the actors are on Tonight's episode of The Tonight Show, but this will come out after. Today is October 3rd. Mm -hmm. Uh, So get on that because by the time you listen to this, the episode is maybe about to expire on Hulu. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But my guess is like 30 people have uploaded it to YouTube by now. The cast has been posting pictures of their dressing rooms all day. It's very cute. Oh, man. That's Uh, adorable. I know. I'm like very happy to be here, but I'm also upset that I didn't go to that today. I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, what better place to mourn? Yeah, yeah, this is great. It felt weird. I was like, it feels weird like asking for favors from people, but after being like, hey, please put in my name for the researcher position, I should have been like, no, so let me come meet Archie. Yeah, let me come meet KJ Appa. Thank you. Thank you, Colin. We have a little uh, love triangle on Twitter. Oh, yes, it's true. And it's another crossover of all of my main interests, actually, weirdly enough. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a fight over mm-hmm. Cole Sprouse between Lily Reinhardt and Miss Piggy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, Lily was wrong to step on Miss Piggy like that. Well, yes, that's true. You're all, you never want to cross Miss Piggy, but, you know... It's always fun to try. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she yeah. lost. Yeah. Lily lost. Last last month I was in LA seeing the Muppets live at the Hollywood Bowl. And Miss Piggy was in fine form. So Cole, you should get on that. Yeah. And listen to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well the last thing he said was he's like was just waiting for her to call. Yeah. Oh, is that what he said? Yeah, he's yeah. like I available. He ended with ladies please. I think he, he said did. a follow up is like hashtag why am I single? He said, Miss Piggy hasn't called. Yeah. 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 Miss Piggy should call him and they should go on a date. Yeah. Yeah. It was Lily tweeted to Miss Piggy and then Miss Piggy tweeted them all. Do you think Miss Piggy would date a smoker though? I don't know. Good point. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And finally, we have some casting news in that they're looking to cast Chick Cooper. 
Uh-huh. And we do not know about in the episode we are covering tonight, mm-hmm. but everyone who's listening already knows about it's because a, we're it's not kidding ourselves. It's a secret Cooper. It's it another is. Cooper. It's a bonus Cooper, like a bonus mm-hmm. Jonas. We got a bonus Cooper. Do you know who should play Chick Cooper? Who should play Chick the Cooper? The real Alice Cooper. <laughs> but like as a 20 something yeah. he's just like just, yeah. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that would be amazing oh my god so cool so let's hit it alright are we ready to go into episode 12 yes alright episode 12 anatomy of a murder yes okay so here we go so anatomy of a murder the title of it is based on a 1959 movie that was directed by Otto Preminger. And it's ba- it's basically about, like, the process of solving a murder. Jimmy Stewart's the lead. Uh, but I don't think... Not that I've seen the film, and I certainly would like to see it. I'd like to see all these films. But I don't think that the structure of this episode mirrors the structure of the film too much, um, which I was wondering if it did. Because this episode has a very unique structure and one of the things that's very unique about it is that it does not open with a voiceover why do you guys think that is why is it why is it not open with a voiceover so i had not really thought about this until you brought it up Mm -hmm. but one thing is that this episode picks up the scene continues from the previous episode Mm -hmm. um so it sort of starts differently but Mm -hmm. then also i kind of liked your thoughts about like where Jughead is, like, missing mm-hmm. for the first half of this episode, so he's, like, not voiceovering, mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting... Yeah, he's not in control of the narrative anymore, right. like he was when the when the show started. Right. Yeah, but also, it okay. is so striking that it just pops right in as right. well, and it's such a break from the norm, right. which I think is very, very, very smart for the show to do that, to break form in its second last episode. I think it's great. And this is really, I mean, it's the second to last one, but this is, like, the big one. This is where we find totally. out who this killed is, this Jason is the climax. This is the climax. The next episode yeah. is the denouement. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look it up on Google what denouement yeah. means. Uh, <laughs> some of us took seventh grade English. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I also wanted to bring up in this opening scene, they're in Pops, and it's like really beautiful looking. And obviously the whole show is very beautiful looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how much you guys have like really dug into some of the cinematography. Not at all. So so on another um, on another Riverdale podcast. Oh, wow. Um, okay, that's okay. Well this one this one is is um, done by someone who works on the show and uh, has like uh, interviews Hi Russ. Hi Russ. Hi So it's called me. Welcome to Riverdale, but they have an episode uh, with Lee Tolan Krieger, who is a director who did the pilot uh, episode two and three, and then also the finale of this season. So his like fingerprints are all over this. And he was talking specifically about the visual style of the show and said that they really wanted it to look very cinematic and very dreamlike. So they, him and his um, director of photography, he, he names as David La- Lazenberger, something mm-hmm. like that. Sure. Um, but that they use these like expensive Leica film lenses. Mm-hmm. And now Lee Tollenkrieger says they, they had never been used on TV before. Maybe that's true. I that's don't know. Cool. But yeah. like that's what gives it that look. And he says it's like a very shallow depth of field, so everything is hazy in the background. And yeah. I don't know. I think everything about the show looks so beautiful and I, I think it's like cool that you know, to know why. Oh yeah, yeah I very much agree. Definitely the show is so unique visually and yeah. I, I've never been, you know, I've, I've made a few like short films and stuff and I went to film school and I've never been like a big, like lens tech geek, Mm -hmm. but I really admire people that are, and it leads to 
beautiful pieces of art like this show. Oh, right. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to film school for talking about it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Kate, what's next? Wow. Um, so the kids decide to tell the parents that FP is innocent before they tell the sheriff. And all the parents are pretty mad about it, and they are very right to be. Totally. Absolutely. The parents in general are very unreasonable on the show. In this instance, I'm like, yeah, those fucked up idiots. Yeah. Well, I think that the parents' motivations on the entire season of the show are just to serve the plot of the show, mm-hmm. and they don't stick true to their character or tropes. And that's a pro- actually a bit of a problem. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm not sure... That I agree with that about everyone. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I think, obviously, like, they have complicated motivations and they, like, care about their kids, but they're also, like, very fallible and do terrible things. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I think Alice is pretty consistent. Like, her... Oh, Alice is, like, her, her The tone is inconsistent. Yeah. Like, they make her very yeah. evil in the beginning. But I think her motivations of, like, what she's doing... And, like, Fred is always trying to protect Archie and... I don't know. Yeah, Fred's the best parent. Yes, Fred is definitely the best parent. Fred's the most well-behaved parent, but Fred's motivations... Remember that the first few episodes of the show, Fred's like, I don't understand how music and football can work together! (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, two episodes later on, he was like, your music, Archie! Like, that makes no sense, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. But I like that they give the parents... Like, the parents are are characters. Yeah. But they're not just, like window dressing you know definitely and in the comics they are right definitely window dressing so this is a cool change from that now we know that archie's mom is a lawyer and that's about it but she does bring up like a she could be literally anything i think she was a lawyer so she could share do something in this episode really totally but what i'm saying is like we don't even know like is she a criminal lawyer oh yeah she's like a patent lawyer exactly (laughs) is she a lawyer in the comics though is that a no okay not to my memory I mean, really, these characters in the right. comics, yeah. The the parent characters, for the most part, like in Archie Meets the Ramones, Archie has a Ramones record, and he's like, it's my dad's old record, and it, like, opens up this whole world of, like, Fred's character that's literally never been explored in 75 <laughs> right, years, right, and right, you're right. like, oh, was Fred, like, a little punk boy? That's cool. Like, right. yeah. But she does, as a lawyer, say that the, what they found or didn't find in FP's trailer would be inadmissible in court as they didn't have a warrant. That's just not how it works. It's not. No, you know, there's it's like more playing on. fast and loose. And then with, you're like, yeah. okay, but it also is breaking and entering, but then that brings up a lot of questions because Archie does have a key, it, you know. Yeah, because Archie was invited yeah. by having a key. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. It's just like... Why'd you even bring it up? It don't make no sense, my pals. It don't no, make any it sense. Make sense. No. But I do like all the parents getting mad at Alice because <laughs> when it's revealed that it was her it. idea. Yeah. yeah. Totally. But then Veronica takes says it was her idea. Veronica kind of takes over. Yeah. Deflects a little there. True. Um true. the saddest scene in the show is this next one with Jughead. Would you say that this is the saddest scene in the whole show? I would say so, because I feel like other things that are sad, you know, like a teenage boy dying, have <laughs> the overdramatics of the Blossoms. Yeah. This is, like, the most, like, it's subdued, subtle. subtle, emotional sadness. And it's beautifully played. Yeah. Well shot, as always. Yeah. So what we're talking about... Is, of course, 
Jughead's mommy don't want him no more. Mm-hmm. Jughead's trying to get to Toledo. He phones his mom, and then clearly his mom doesn't want him there. Yeah. Which is... Yeah. Which we don't really know the motivations for. It seemed to me, like, the way I read it is more that she's just like, I don't know, we got a lot of stuff going on here. Like, because she obviously doesn't know what the situation is. No, I don't You know, she does. doesn't know that, like, FP's arrested and that a kid is murdered. I mean, but Jughead chooses not to tell her... He's just like the initial shock of like my mom saying she doesn't want like, me yeah. to come. Just like mommy, love me, please. Right, right. Yeah. All after, he wants is love and family. Especially after the episode before when FP was like, "We're gonna move there." Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And now his mom's like, well, "I don't even want you." Right. Yeah. Right. So probably like I don't know. FP probably didn't even mention that. To Jelly her. Bean starring School of Rock. It's just not a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Hermione thinks Hiram hired FP to kill Jason and that they're in trouble too because they're known associates. Which, like, if everyone who knew a criminal was also implicated, <laughs> life would be prison. That is a good point. <laughs> like, Absolutely. And a scary thought. At there's that. a difference between an asso- known associate and an accomplice. Yeah, that's and very, very true. It's, I mean, Hermione doesn't present herself as a straight accomplice for aiding and abetting murder. Mm-hmm. So she's just, like, harried and worried all the time. Yeah, but she's definitely, like, there's a lot of shit going on in her life. Yeah, she's gonna and, say like, something. Yeah, she and she just doesn't know, like, where all of the pieces are going to land for her, you know? Yeah. So I, I kind of understand why she's all over the place in this episode. And, like, the la- the whole last few episodes of the season, she's just, like, kind of going crazy. And I, I get why. You yeah, know? well, she does then admit that she is guilty of bribing the mayor and <laughs> right. forging Veronica's signature and paying off the circuit. Yes. Yes. So, like, yeah, but also, I don't know, it's just, like, she's worried about so much and she is worried about the wrong things. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, Veronica calls Archie, and Archie is like, we're looking for Jughead! And Veronica, who's, like, on the phone, like, calling in, like, a sultry voice in her silk pajamas, Mm -hmm. is like, hey, Archie, and then is like... (laughs) Okay, I'm on it, and shows up instantly in a full makeup, heels, her finest furs, ready to take on the world at midnight. Yeah, she's always ready to go. That's the thing. Yeah, you know? she she was in her pajamas, <laughs> and she was still like, I can be out of here yeah. instantly. Yes, because she's the best. Right. I love Veronica. And that's the end of the episode. No, so much happens. No, this is the sheriff questions FP about what happened. Mm-hmm. And we go through piecing together that Jason came to FP, wanted a getaway car and some cash. So he would deliver some drugs for FP, which FP clarifies just weed, nothing more. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they realized he was a Blossom and they could use him. Mm-hmm. So when she, they told, uh, when he told them about the plan for the fake drown, and they were like, great, we'll just snatch him up with the car. And they did, and they took him to the basement, and they tied him up and held him for ransom. And then when Jason tried <laughs> to escape, sorry, for listeners at home, I turned the page very dramatically. Yeah. Uh, Jason tries to escape, and they shot him and put him in the freezer. And then when it quieted down, when the whole, because they wanted them to drag the river so they could dump him in there after they'd already looked. Mm-hmm. And then when the sheriff says, oh, and you're the one that stole all my evidence, my murder board, F, he's like, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> right. And so that's when we as an audience know that he's lying at least about some of Something, it. Something, yeah. Because we know that Hal stole the murder board. And the right. audience is rewarded for their recall skills. Right. Yes. And I am unrewarded because I forgot that Hal stole the murder board. <laughs> right. I did too until I was rewatching it for this very podcast. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The first time I was like, oh, duh, duh. Yeah, uh-huh. totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. But then so... How but much... I also didn't think it was Hal or FP. Right, Because right. we also do know, even if you forgot the murder board, you do know that he didn't have the gun in his trailer. That's actually something that I want to talk about a little later in this episode, is who were we hoping the murderer was? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I have, I have an interesting thing that I was kind of hoping. I really went all in on one person and then realized I was wrong, but kept playing to find out who <laughs> was that person. Because mm-hmm. I was just like, I gotta be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mostly actually figured out. Someone was about to say something and we kept talking. Well, yeah. I mean, how much do you think of this story is true? I think it felt... I think that the weed stuff is true. Yeah. Yeah. And all the drug running stuff and them trying to help him is true. And why they waited to dump the body. Right. And I think that kidnapping him is true as well. Right. So it's really just the who pulled the trigger is the only lie. Yes. Right. Yeah. But so, so you don't think that they were in on it with Cliff from the beginning. When they kidnapped him, they were still thinking that they could extort they money extort from him. Cliff, right. Yeah. It's an interesting theory. Uh, I wonder if that's going to be explored in season two. Right. Yeah. That they were extorting him? No, that yeah. they were in on it with Cliff, if they were or not. Oh, uh, yeah. To me, it right. seems like they probably weren't, but I think it's an interesting theory. Like, no, yeah. Right. would be really Cause, cool. Because in that well. case, they're like, oh, well, we're going to blackmail this rich guy for more money because we have his kid. And then he just comes and kills him anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The kids tell the sheriff that FP is framed, and he's like, but he just confessed. Dun, 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 dun. Whoa. I don't watch Law and Order about that. Felt, that felt correct. Is that yes. how the episode started? Yes, that's um, how the episode started. <laughs> so back at Thornhill Manor, the Blossoms let Polly know that FP was the one who killed Jason, and Polly, using all that acting ability she has, goes, oh, not, and then realizes... She can't reveal because she's on to them, mm-hmm. but she already suspected them. That's why she's living there, right? Mm-hmm. So she's just like surprised that she was wrong. She's a plant, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Those blossoms are finally at peace, and according to Penelope, we can all start over. Yeah, which is so sick and weird, and they had such an abnormal mourning process, yeah. Right? Which is one of the reasons why we you know, always suspected the Blossoms of killing Jason. You know, she said something in, I guess it's episode 11, the one before this. She's talking about the ring with Cheryl and Mm -hmm. she says, you know, everything that goes away comes back or something. There's like a weird line like that. Uh, Cheryl says something. And then so it, it always like, I don't know, I was really thinking that it was going to sort of creep into that weird magical occult territory where they were like trying to revive jason or something you know yeah which also talk afterlife with archie have you read afterlife with archie i i don't but i know that you know there's that's sort there's, of there's right a re- oh there's... cheryl says nothing's lost forever right everything comes back that's right what she says it's like episode. a weird yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and that's fits in with this like now we could start again kind of mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, but like, there's still something that's sort of vaguely supernatural about right. the Blossoms. Yeah. yeah. Um, Veronica's still convinced Hiram is the one that hired the serpents to plant 
the gun. She's convinced Hiram's involved. Yes. Um, this is a lot of dad hating in this episode. Yeah, yeah, but Archie and Veronica hold hands under the table. And it's adorable. <laughs> it's great, because we here at Exodus of Riverdale actually really like Archie and Veronica. Yeah. Yes, we totally ship this. Yeah. We sure. ship Archonica. Archie. Archie, that's yeah. what they call it. We, yeah. totally ship, we totally ship that stuff. Yeah, why do we like them so much together as a couple? I, uh, I think there's a degree of innocence with them. Like, Veronica is not involved in this murder. No, that's true. She thinks her dad is, but she's, like, so... She doesn't know Jason. Mm-hmm. She's not... She just doesn't have, like, a stake in the game. And then Archie, it's, like, so clear that it's not Fred. Like, Archie's the only one with a parent that's not a suspect of anything. So clear that it's not Fred. Yeah, yeah. What if it had ended up being Fred? Oh, my God. (laughs) That would have been amazing. That would have been insane. That's almost as good as what I'm going to propose, what I was hoping. Okay. It was going to be later on. Okay. Get ready for that, listeners. Very exciting. I know. This is a tease. It's a good old Rachel Maddow-style tease. Oh, we're going to watch an hour and then find out nothing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You're gonna be like, so all along, I hoped it was Cliff Blossom. Yeah, You're exactly. Like, <laughs> well, it was Cliff Blossom. Thanks, Rach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what? Number one in the ratings, so who are we to say? Yeah. Kevin doesn't want Joaquin dragged in. It's weird how I said Joaquin that one time, and I dug it. Yeah, Kevin doesn't want Joaquin dragged into all of this. Right. But Joaquin was always dating Kevin so that Kevin would somehow protect him from all well, of this. No, I don't think that's true. I think he was. Well, that was the started initial, that way. Right, like right, I said, right. you still haven't seen she's all that, so it's very hard to describe this to you in terms I know, of the so stand. I know. Yeah, but you've never seen I all know, of Josie and the Pussycats, so it is what it is. Yeah. Which is she's all that was directed by the same people. Yeah, yeah. right. But so she's we, all that is like a well-known movie trope yeah. now. Like you get she's all well, that, whereas Josie yeah. is just yeah, sure. Yeah. But we all know she's all that. Yeah, do you know Pygmalion better? I do. Okay, I'm rather familiar with Pygmalion. Okay. Also, there was that show, Selfie. Do you remember that? Uh, no. It It was a really good show. Yeah. uh, Jughead comes to school anyway. Yeah. And gets slapped by Cheryl after trying to apologize. And, like, on the one hand, like... Jughead's just trying to be such a good boy in this episode. He's trying to be such a good boy, but also, like, I kind of understand where Cheryl's coming and, and from. And so does he. he. He's, like, not fighting back at all because he completely yeah. understands what she's going through in that moment. Yeah. It's like, I think it like it was mean of him to do that. Mm, that's fair. Yeah. I don't know necessarily if it's mean of him intentionally. I feel like he's, he, as, like, a young man, is trying his best to deal with something that's beyond all of our comprehension. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't do a great job. Which is not a huge surprise. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm going to say. But I just, I love these two characters coming together. They don't interact very much this season, but mm-hmm. they're so similar in terms of like, obviously they're like sarcasm and, and wit and stuff and they're kind of mean, but also like they're just so vulnerable and they like care so much about family and love and like they have that same like innocence inside of them and like damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, home. they just want their parents to yeah, love exactly. them. Yeah, exactly. So I hope we see more Cheryl and Jack. Season. Yeah, I hope so too. I really Not like, like romantic. Them. Really. No, Cheryl no. needs a girlfriend. Yeah, you want yeah. Cheryl to be gay? Yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Uh there's a lot of fan fiction for that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. So after Cheryl slaps Jughead, she runs off, and Betty goes to find her. And Cheryl says that just because Jason's murder has been found, it 
the nightmare still doesn't feel over. Well, Cheryl knows something is off. Yeah. And Cheryl feels there's something wrong And I think we on. all do. We all know that this yeah. is still suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, Jughead is questioned by the sheriff and Principal Weatherby, which is such a weird brooch of breach of uh talking about brooches a weird breach of just like why is he there and not a lawyer and um jughead says i don't know who's more of a dick sheriff keller or weatherby and we know the answer to that it's, it's weatherby. weatherby yeah it's weatherby. but at this dick. point now jughead believes that fp did it i think he resigns himself to it well he's a boy who's just been disappointed by his father right. for his entire life so yeah and then it's let down by his mother too yeah he's just like this 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 in this episode jughead's so browbeaten you know yeah yeah, yeah. i mean the line about him like being happy that for once he's doing his dad is doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. It's really hard yeah, to that the right thing is turning himself in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Terrible. Archie wants Fred to be Jughead's legal guardian, and Fred's like, "I just my primary concern is keeping you safe." He's like, "From Jughead," and it's like, oh, "Whatever follows the Joneses around," which Archie has already accused Fred of letting Jughead drown, and now. She, Fred's just really coming into question here because it is understandable that he wants to keep Archie safe, but Jughead has proven that he's not FP and he's not a threat. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Good analysis of that, Kate. I Thank you. Great. So we'll go. And then he says, maybe you should move to Chicago, which is so... It's now itchy. Archie, for the first time, Archie's being rejected by a parent. Yeah, it's totally Everyone's been rejected by a bar- parent except yeah, for him, and now he is. you should move to Chicago if you don't agree with me. Mm-hmm. And Archie's like... Hey, Fred, you're adult. That's how, yeah. that's what Archie's like there. Mm-hmm. A, a ninny. A nincompoop. Yes. A noise wakes up Alice and Betty. And Alice lets keeps Betty behind her. Which, at this point, it should be clear that our, uh, Alice and Betty are the only ones in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a noise, and Alice puts Betty behind her and pulls out a gun, which we believe belongs to Miss Grundy. Yeah, the gun that, from Miss Grundy. Made, that... its, made its way around. Oh yeah. my god, I just made a weird connection. I'm just gonna write it down. Hold on. And I do hope, like, we need one more Grundy episode next season, right? We like, need at least for... one more. Because yeah, that yeah that's unresolved. so fucked yeah. up, yeah. yeah. But it turns out it's Hal. He's bringing back the murder board because he just wanted to make sure that Nothing in the investigation came back to Polly. It's just me dropping off my murder board. <laughs> yep, classic murder board. Yeah. And yeah, um, he didn't want it swinging back to Polly. Because Polly potentially has a motivation. Mm-hmm. Oh, certainly. Because yeah. Polly and Jason are related. Yeah. And this is revealed here. There's this whole incest subplot that we were sort of <laughs> anticipating, but it's not the characters we were anticipating. We're going yeah, to the one. big su- big incest surprise on this one. Yeah. yeah, incest surprise, my favorite type of cake from oh. Dairy Queen. Yeah, from Carvel. <laughs> I thought you were going to say my favorite type of surprise, and I was like, cool. <laughs> I mean. Okay, Louie. Uh, oh, yeah. boy, it's a good thing. Uh, never mind. Yeah, uh, Grandpappy uh, Cooper was, was a, a blossom. blossom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when he was murdered, they split and they just pick the last name yeah, yeah. which yeah, if i'm is... gonna pick a last name i want to go with blossom that's that's what hal says but doesn't it make more sense that there was just like a sister involved that married someone named cooper totally like, yeah well it's, I don't know whoever was married or like it was just the main name because like grandpappy blossom like the wife had like a main yeah, name yeah exactly like, why wouldn't yeah, she just yeah there's a lot going like... on there also if you're gonna pick a last name pick something like 
Tyrannosaurus or something. So that makes the that makes. But I guess if you're trying to blend in an echo cloth, right, it right. makes sense. Okay, or Cooper. Cooper. That it's makes Polly and Jason third third cousins. cousins. Right. So here's my big question: Do we really think this is that bad? So on the Reddit, mm-hmm. as as the Reddit ambassador here for tonight. Yes. Yeah, so um, thank you, thank you. We will now hear from the Reddit ambassador. Yeah. Um, people on the subreddit were very divided on this. Yeah. Um, it seems to be like. A, cultural thing and and maybe like where you grew up if you grew up knowing your third cousins or distant cousins like right i i was very close with some of my third cousins growing up because we lived near each other but i could understand if you didn't and you didn't even like know who your third cousins were Wait, they share great grandparent right they share great grandparents yeah if you're not like i grew up on long island so we're in a you know the culture there is that your family, never like, my Italian family moved there and never left, right? Mm. So everyone's there. But I could see if you're somewhere where that's not the case. Yeah, that's interesting because, like, all of my third cousins are in Germany still. Right. Oh. Also, with a last name like Vatter, uh, we're probably Nazis. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> we're peace between the Jews and, and, and the Germans through our podcast. Too, yeah. So it's fine. But, so, like, that is another interesting question, like, because we grew up, or at least us grew up East Coast, where, like, a lot of third cousins are not in the same countries at, the, at this point. Right. My grandmother and grandfather were second cousins. Yeah. And they didn't meet until they were old enough to start dating. They right. met in their early 20s. Uh-huh. And, and they met when he was back Which from you're World practically a spinster by then at that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And uh, it was right after World War II and they ended up marrying. But I am sort of of the opinion that that should never have ha- had happened. And although. That's very close. It's too- For the time. Which makes me think that third cousin now is too close. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Hold on, we're going to get time out. What's up? I think you're talking about second cousins. If you share a great grandparent, it's a second cousin. I've seen it oh, like this is so helpful. <laughs> My roommate Liesel is chiming in. No, because your no. second cousin is your parents' cousin. No, that's your second cousin once, or that's your first cousin once removed. So then, what's where your the generational right. thing comes? So, what's, who's your cousin's cousin? So. Well, Liesl, get on mic. Cousin. Get on mic, Liesl. What? You're your cousin's cousin. No, but like they have cousins <laughs> Liesl, on the other side of the family. This uh, is Liesl. So like okay, my so we have, we have a genealogy expert here with um, us. Okay, so this is the deal. If you have, because I know my second cousins, and we share a grandparent. I mean, not a grandparent. We share a great grandparent. Okay. Their grandma is my great aunt. So she's Correct. my grandfather's sister. Okay. They have the same parents, but they're my second cousins, the ones who are in my generation. Right. Their parents are my mother's cousins. They're my first cousins once removed. That's where the once removed okay. is it's re- a generational reference. So your third cousins wouldn't share a great-grandparent. They would share a great-great-grandparent. Okay. okay. Now this comes into question who's been calling great-grandpappy. Because if it's... Right. If it's Hal's great-grandpappy... Thank you, Liesl. I'm bowing out. <laughs> but I still have another question. No, I mean, my cousin's cousin is like, so my dad's brother, mm-hmm. his kids are my cousin, but then their mom's nieces and nephews are like their cousins, but I, they're, so it's my cousin's cousins. They're, well, I technically think that would be a cousin-in-law because you're not right, cousins by not blood blood-in-law. at all at that point because you're not blood-related yeah. to their mother. The and Jews call that mishpucha. 
So, <laughs> so like that would be cousins by marriage. Right. Yeah, I would right? just say my cousin's cousin. Yeah. Even though that sounds like non-biological me. cousins. <laughs> yeah. So if we're thinking of Riverdale is seventy-five years old here because they're about to have the jubilee. Yes. Right. That the generations would sort of work out where it is. We're talking about Betty and Polly's great grandparents. Right. Well, but so it is in, in this system we're talking about second cousins. Actually. Well, but it's Hal's great grandpappy. Hal and Alice's great grandpappy, which makes it Betty's great great. But would that even like the timeline even make sense if they're uh... like founding families of Riverdale? So this is, you know, around seventy five years ago. I don't know. Maybe assuming that they were all having kids at twenty years old. Right. That would mean so. Yeah, if they were just starting to have kids, it would be great, great grandpappies. Because we assume that they Betty and Polly's great, great, great. Yeah. So it is. What, it is what third cousin. Third cousin. And at that point, I might agree with you. That's pretty far. I think it'd be far if they weren't like still just in their in hometown. the same town. Right, like right. you know, that's incest if you're there. Mm-hmm. Right. And, Except they and covered we, it, but we learned that Clifford and Penelope didn't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. everyone, well, and Hal knew that. And Hal, right. Thank right, you, but... Liesl. Big fan of Liesl. <laughs> You're welcome. Anything so Hal... I can offer. <laughs> <laughs> so Hal knew, and he was upset about it, but Cliff and Penelope knew it, and they're like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because there's a weird supernatural element to them, where they're like, it's the purest blossom baby to, like, open the doorway to this other universe. You know yeah. what I mean? We're going to sacrifice to... To the, the, our weird seven-eyed god that's gonna, yeah. you know, whatever's really going on with them. Yeah, we don't really well, know how yet. questions, how far would the Blossoms go to keep them apart? Mm-hmm. And then we go to Thornhill with the great open line from Alice Cooper, sorry to disrupt the witching hour at Thornhill, I want it on a t-shirt. Not to be confused with my favorite Alice Cooper opening line, school that for summer. I know, terrible. <laughs> It's not even the opening line of that song. Yeah. Anyway. Name another Alice Cooper song. Name another Alice Cooper song. Oh, um, oh, uh, I, uh, uh, I'm too tired to think of any, but I certainly do know some. (laughs) It's fine. We all know what, where that was going to go and then went there together. Yes, Penelope says in the scene that nothing could be more purely blossom than those babies. And it's interesting how invested she is in making sure everything's a blossom when she married in. Yeah. But then you wonder... Was she, she ever not a blossom? Right, right. Yeah, totally. If they're okay with third cousins, then they could be on. closer. Right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they could be brother and sister. Right. Yeah. yeah, but we would know that, though, because the town would know. Yeah, the town. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, like, there were blossoms that came from out of town for the tree tapping. Yeah. Yes. So it is possible. The Japanese blossoms. <laughs> right. Yes. yes, our favorite blossoms. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And as they leave, they grab Polly and they go, and Penelope grabs Betty's arm and says, you've made a great, great error, little girl. And Betty says, no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to stop until I prove it. I put a comma in there because it doesn't make sense, but Betty took a long pause mm-hmm. between I'm not going to stop until I prove it. And that's, you know, that scene. It's a pretty good scene. That scene's wonderful. I love that scene. I know. It has, like, all of my crushes on it. Yeah, yeah totally. And, like, just a beautiful set yeah. yeah. Thornhill, I'm so oh interested God, in Thornhill. Yeah. This whole episode really is actually much more fast-paced in terms of revelations. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. so much fun, yeah. In general, it's it's just really, it sort of is, I think, quite gleeful in its pace and tone. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, we gotta wrap up this season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But then there's still another episode. You can yeah. see us and you're like, there's more? Yeah. 
Mary goes and pretends to be FP's attorney, which has a lot of ethical questions raised. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> also, like, is she even, like, legally licensed to practice in the state? Because she did recently move to Illinois. How did she pass an Illinois bar? There's so many questions yes. that will not be answered because I'm the only one asking. And she well, that's, says, that's assuming that we're not in Illinois. Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure we're in New York. Yeah, but, we're somewhere on the East Coast. It feels right. East Coast, and it feels like Chicago. I mean, she, they're far from Chicago. Right. But she's like, yeah, it looks pretty bad. He looks pretty guilty. And Jughead says, well, if nothing else, at least he's an honest murderer. Mm-hmm. And they find out that Joaquin was FP's one phone call. Mm-hmm. And so Jughead goes to see him. Mm-hmm. And this is a big scene. Someone else was to talk about it. Oh, someone else was to talk about the scene because I'm talking a lot. We learn a lot from what Joaquin, Joaquin's interrogation. His flashback is interesting. Joaquin helped clean up the body. Well, we're not there yet. Oh, we're not there yet. No, oh. we're at the scene where Jughead goes to see FP and FP tells him to never come back. Oh, I'm sorry. And that's a very important scene. Yeah. Beautifully played by two wonderful actors. Yeah. Yes. I could watch these two just act at each other all day long. Yeah. Absolutely. Just acting at instead yeah. of with. Yeah, yeah. acting That is at almost each what the scene is. Yeah. It is, yeah. They I are kind of acting that. at each other. <laughs> but it really is a beautifully written scene, and it's just so heartbreaking. Yeah, he uh, was already rejected by his mom. Right. Mm-hmm. And it must be, like, knowing what we know, that FP is just covering up to protect Jughead. So Which we don't really quite know yet. Right, we know right, he's right. keeping but I mean, a like, secret. At the end, you know, now going back to rewatch it, we know, and it reads so differently. It's yes. like so heartbreaking yeah. for to, for FP, absolutely, yeah. to be lying at his son like this. FP, yeah. who's been trying his best this right. whole season to basically go straight, right. yeah, yeah. get good with Jughead. But yeah. Um, so yeah, Archie, Veronica, go with Kevin to question Joaquin, who said that the phone call was. FP telling him to lay low. Mm-hmm. Joaquin thinks that FP did it, but he didn't see him pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. So there's still reasonable doubt there. Yes, absolutely. Um, he was just called to help clean up. And when he was there, he overheard Mustang talking because Mustang is the only other one who knew about the cleanup. And he and FP were talking about some rich guy. Right. And Veronica, of course, assumes, assumes it's her father. It's her father. So the gang goes to find Mustang to see what he knows, and they find him overdosed in a tub. No. Which first overdose in the world of any sort of Archie comics? I certainly have to tell oh, you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Except for maybe an overdose of fun. <laughs> this caused a bit of a Twitter firestorm. A lot of people were like, "An overdose in a show about Archie." Goodbye, childhood. Right, which is yeah. totally well, also valid. it comes up. We briefly behind the scenes discussed along with the next episode the opioid epidemic in America right now. Yes, is affecting. Towns most, like Riverdale. Most Very people. So. And that suburban Riverdale town is being ravaged mm-hmm. by opioids right now. And it's, in this, they're shocked. I'd say it's because Riverdale is idyllic. Right. I think it's probably not the first one. Right, right. And in most towns going to CD Motel, that is what you would expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it won't be the last. Yeah. Yeah, and it would be great if the show dealt with that more in the second season. Right, it's a lot to take on. Yeah, they've got a Considering, lot Considering, like, but... uh, very few even politicians are taking it on. Yeah, right. but the show's taken on other interesting sort of... Yeah, yeah and you know what? ...societal issues. Shout out for 
John Kasich for saying he will leave the GOP if they don't start taking it seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. It's Shout like, out. I, I don't like agreeing with Kasich or Chris Christie, but like sometimes. Honestly, you know? Kasich, <laughs> I have a lot to say about Kasich. Yeah. And most of it's been positive since the election. Right. He does have bad stuff behind him. This is not the point of the podcast. If anyone wants me to be the podcast, I'm a hit. Yeah. And I know a lot. Kate knows a lot. <laughs> it's weird. So, uh, Joaquin and Kevin flee, so Archie and Veronica call the sheriff, and when the sheriff is like, what are you doing here? They're like, oh, we just want to ask him, we just want to ask him some stuff. <laughs> we just want, we just want to see. And, um. <laughs> Good impression. Thank you. And Sheriff Keller is like, how do you know he lived here? And they're just like, and then a lady cop interrupts them and they're like, phew. <laughs> yeah, thank God for lady cops. Oh my yeah. God. So many sound effects in this episode of Xbox or Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> but they find a bag full of money with the ish, uh, initials HL. Sher- like, Sheriff Keller? Why is he just like assuming like, hey, Hermione, why do these have your initials on them? Yeah, well, so I think because like, Veronica's... Well, also though, because Veronica's at the scene. Yeah, that's true, but still. But it turns out it's Hiram. Hiram Lodge. Yes, yeah, it's Hiram's bag. And Archie is... Although, I don't know, is it? Yeah, yeah, maybe it's another character. No, but like, wasn't maybe it Hermione maybe... who gave them the money? It probably is Hermione. Well, but she thinks that um, Hiram paid off FP to kill Jason. So she right. thinks that's that money. Right, but the reality is that it probably was the bag that Hermione gave to uh, FP. Yeah. Yeah, to... To, Why did she to pay, pay for the driving. Right, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, not that it really, like, matters, but... yeah. I mean, then we get into, like, possession and, like, potential, like, a m- lot more law there with, like, ownership and right. marriage. Right. Well, so don't give money in a bag that <laughs> says your initials. your initials on it. <laughs> don't yeah. do it. Right. Unless your initials are, like, LV and you're like, it's fun how everything has it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fred picks up Archie and he's like, you gotta stop, dude. You're gonna get straight murdered. <laughs> exact words. Now this, we have Joaquin boarding a bus to San Junipero, and I think I'm the only one here that's seen it or can talk about it. Yeah, but talk about why that's such a cool reference. So San Junipero is an episode of Black Mirror, which Mm -hmm. Black Mirror is considered a kind of modern day Twilight Zone, and it's all scary near futures having to do with technology. And there's one episode that doesn't end in, like, ultimate sadness it's kind of a bittersweet, uplifting episode where in this world, this technology that is being used is never being shown as being used for evil. It's always used for good, and we see there's a two women in late 80s, early 90s who once a week meet at this club and fall in love, but they only see each other here and there. Sometimes one shows up and the other one's not around. And we keep seeing the same girl showing up and the other one not there, but then when she is there, they have so much fun. And then an episode eventually ends showing that when in the near future, when you die, you can upload your consciousness consciousness to a couple different, like, interactive fake town scene party things. And the one woman who keeps showing up to see if the other person there has died... And her lover is still alive, is a very old woman, and every once in a while gets a chance to go to the facility and visit San Junipero to see the love of her life. Oh, it's beautiful. It's heartbreaking. It's beautiful. It just won a ton of Emmys. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix. 
May it's... Kevin and Joaquin meet in San Junipero one evening. Yes. Yeah. So sweet. But also, they're both young, whereas San Junipero, it turns out the couples are... Yeah, it's The about, women are old it's, it and deals dead. With issues of aging, for sure. Right. Yeah. But it's such a strong recent reference that plays... Has no tie into the Archie universe. Right. That Buffs could have said literally anything... And only people who knew this Black Mirror episode spotted it. Mm -hmm. And it was such a delight to see. Yeah, so cool. So fun. But Kevin doesn't feel like he knows Joaquin. And then they kiss anyway. Well, yeah, because Kevin wants to say goodbye <laughs> and in we, a nice I way. mean, Joaquin is dreamy. Yeah, he's gorgeous. He's so dreamy. And he's like, hey, I don't want to say this in front of your friends, but there's something else. Whoa. <laughs> 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 Jughead, at this point, kind of comes back around and he's like, well, because he went to see FP, and he's like, he was lying. He's a bad liar. There's something he's protecting, but who? Who is he protecting? We don't know uh, yet. Yeah, we don't know. Cheryl asks Penelope why her parents were, were arguing, or why Jason and Cliff were arguing. And she says, you know, Jason couldn't stomach the business. And Cheryl's like, Mommy, what couldn't he handle? So many questions, Cheryl. This is just not a nice way to treat your daughter. No, she grabs no, her. She's a pretty bad mom. But you know? real quick in between, we see the murder board yet again, and we see that the only people left on the murder board are Hiram, Cliff, and Penelope, as mm -hmm. Hal was removed because he was the one that stole the murder board. Right. Back to Cheryl and Penelope. Cheryl's, I think something happened, Mommy. And Penelope's like, oh, whatever do you mean? And she's like, I think something happened about the business. What was Jason running away from? And Penelope drags Cheryl to the barn and says, and I quote, You think your father killed your brother? You think Jason knew a horrible secret about our business? You want answers, Cheryl? There is the sticky, dark, dirty truth. Maple syrup. Drown in it, why don't you? Which is another incredible line from this Great episode. Line. I feel like the tone in this sequence is kind of... I mean, obviously they're like trying to build suspense... But I still feel like once they get to that reveal, which is, in Penelope's mind, it's we're innocent, it's just maple syrup. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't know if it lands totally for me. Sure. Yeah. It's just, like, visually kind of confusing. Like, is it something that she's showing us? Or, yeah. You think it's supposed to be? I think it's supposed to be confusing? visually confusing. But I do think, ultimately, she does just show her maple syrup. Yeah, no, I agree. There's something weird about the way this is shot that I'm like, yeah. am I supposed to be looking for something else? Right. Yeah. yeah. I think some of it is just to show the Barnes perspective. But I think what we ultimately find in the, later in the episode is that it is not just maple syrup. But right, I think exactly. Penelope, yeah. I kind of think Penelope did just think it was maple I syrup. I think she doesn't know. Yeah. I think she doesn't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is when Alice says she thinks everything wraps up too nicely. Right. Right, so these scenes are like cutting back. Right, back and forth. Yeah. Yes. And then they go, Joaquin sent them to Plan B, which is a duffel with Jason's jacket. And Veronica's like, listen, I think the bag of money is concrete evidence that Hiram hired FP. Because Veronica at this point, I think, is the only one that still thinks FP pulled the trigger. Yes. Betty makes Archie wear the jacket, which is interesting because we've seen throughout the show consistently from the Blossoms that Archie is so similar to Jason. Mm -hmm. And what we find in the jacket is a flash drive that shows who the murderer is. <gasps> but so Archie's similarity to Jason is what ultimately solves the crime in a way. Well, the question is, if they put the jacket on someone else, would they have found the drive? I'm 
almost thinking no, because when you wear something that's too big or too small, your hands don't hit the, hit the pockets right. And if his hands didn't hit the pockets, right, he wouldn't have she wouldn't that have hole. found that hole. Right. I agree with that. And, and that is so smart. Because yeah. we've been wondering all along, why are they comparing Archie to Jason? So other much? than the red hair. Well, yeah. we see that they're physically very different other than the yeah. red hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I guess they were physically enough the same, right? right. Yeah, that, that jacket works about the same height, I guess. Because they, well, Jason is built like a QB. Archie is not. This is true. This uh, is Based on everything I learned on Friday Night Lights. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which I think I've brought up a lot in this show is how much I know from Friday Night Lights and literally nothing else. Yeah. So we see the gang watch the video and we only see their reactions at this point. It's a gorgeous scene. It's it's so so well well done. And Betty gets up and she calls Cheryl and she says to get out. And Cheryl already knows. (sighs) Single tear. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Cheryl's suspicion is confirmed and she knows that it's trouble. Yeah. And she goes down to her parents eating dinner. So and- just before we like get to that the table, mm-hmm. this scene of her like the shot of her walking down the stairs is so yeah. great. And it, she's in all black, Ugh. which it sort of mirrors in episode five when she's coming into the memorial service in all white. Mm-hmm. And it's just like yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's a great arc. This mm-hmm. is Cheryl the character. Yeah. Cheryl the whole time has been sad about her brother and it's been about how much she misses him. And now there's this cold reality of what she i think knew but didn't want to have confirmed yes and wanted it to not be true and now it is and And she goes to the table and and also Mm -hmm. just looking at the arc of the character here's this character that was written to appear to be somewhat shallow uh, at the beginning and although really biting and smart was also sort of an enemy to the other characters on the show, mm-hmm. and now has been sort of emancipated from that. Yeah, I and also empowered by the knowledge of what happened. To yeah, her. and I do think it's worth noting that Betty's immediate first concern was Cheryl's safety. Well, yeah. yes, because Betty, heart of gold, Cooper. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think she sees this as like, yeah, Cheryl was her enemy, but like ultimately, she sees. Like, not just her being a good person, not wanting Cheryl to get in trouble, but I think she sees why Cheryl is how she is. Oh, yes. And I think she this is, like, her being, like, we got to brush under the rug and we have to be there for Cheryl. And yeah. also, once Betty learns who the killer is, it makes Cheryl no longer the enemy. Yeah. yeah. So, that See, I, I am... it's a total game changer. I'm I'm obviously biased because like Cheryl is like the only thing in the world that I care about. Really. Yep, yep. Yes. But but like I don't read her even when she's supposed to be like sassy and mean. Like I don't read her as the villain. Mm-hmm. Like she's the victim. I mean obviously. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Jason, I mean yeah. You know, but it's like her brother died. She, I think that from us coming in, knowing like only knowing her as someone whose brother was murdered they all right. have this long history with Cheryl. oh absolutely yeah but like to me i'm sympathetic with her from episode one mm-hmm. yes um which i understand like maybe we're not supposed to be but yes clearly but like totally by are. the end mm-hmm. you definitely you know you get where she's coming from yes. and why she is the way she is yes and now we get to cheryl approaching the table <sighs> And she goes and she stands next to her mother. Her mother and father sit at complete opposite ends of the table. She stands next to her mother and she puts her hand on her shoulder and she says, you did a bad thing, daddy. And now everyone knows. Uh Because the town knows via the 
flash drive that Alice gives the sheriff that Cliff Blossom murdered his own son. Oh, no! So now we see the video. Yeah. Yes, but before we get to seeing the video, let's all go around. Who do we yeah. wish had killed Jason? Who are we kind of betting okay. on or hoping? So I, by episode like six, knew it was Cliff, uh-huh. but was still hoping for some Hail Mary. I really want the sheriff to be involved. You wanted Keller to be involved. Yeah, maybe if he did not pull the trigger, I think there's something, there's some conspiring between the sheriff and Mayor McCoy, and then eventually we see Weatherby, and I think they are not innocent Right. In the downfall of Riverdale. Mm-hmm. And I know early on, I felt like they were, had framed FP in a way to set up the serpents as everyone saw them as like a kind of nuisance, but to set up the serpents as an enemy to drive them away from Riverdale. Mm-hmm. And I, I still, I'm mad suspicious of the sheriff. That's fair. Yeah. That's totally fair of Sheriff Keller. What about you, Scott? Who yeah, was... I know this is, like, kind of a lame answer, but I really didn't have, like, a horse in the race. Like, yeah. I didn't have someone mm-hmm. who I was like, this is who I think it is, and that's who I'm, like, putting my money on. Like, I just cared more about, like, how are they telling this story? Like, is are they going to handle it well? Yes, which is and what so, like, they wanted from you. Right, and, yeah. like, obviously... You know, I thought maybe it was Penelope or Clifford, and I thought, like, off chance maybe it is FP, but, like, or, you know, earlier maybe it's Cheryl, but, like, Mm. in general, I just wanted them to handle it well, and I think that they did. Even though, like, by the time you get to this episode, you're like, yeah, I know it's Clifford. It's not a shock, but I still think that they did interesting things with it. Yeah. Are you going to say Smithers? No. (laughs) This is what I'm going to say, is that this is something that I thought of about maybe two episodes before this one, during the actual run of the show. Mm -hmm. Thought, wouldn't this be interesting if what they were actually doing is setting up Archie to be the murderer? Oh, yeah. Because, if you think about it, maybe it had something to do with Archie. Okay, so first of all, it would give this character... It doesn't have a lot of depth on the show. Mm -hmm. It would give him depth. Immediate depth. Yes, because it would be that... Oh, if he's like a sociopath? Yep, because he's such a cipher, right? Yeah. So what if he was a sociopath? And what if he wanted to basically replace Jason? Right. And there's hints towards that, actually. Mm -hmm. And then what happens to the structure of the show, which would be really cool, is Archie going away to jail if he's revealed to be the killer. Mm -hmm. And then it's a show with all of the main characters from the Archie comics without having to deal with Archie, which in itself is actually, to me, makes a lot of sense for the structure of the show. So part of me was almost hoping it was going to be Archie, but then also part of me was like, You you know it's not Archie, and then also if it had been Archie then um, it would, you know, we wouldn't get to see KJ anymore. And I'm actually I'm a big fan of KJ. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but I thought it would be a really interesting turn for the show to take. And I feel like the show did hint towards it may being a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, well, I know, I guess we're not totally there yet, but I'm not crazy about Cliff killing himself after this. No, yeah. Like, we'll definitely talk about okay, that yeah, in yeah. length when we get there. <laughs> So we see on the video Mustang taunting Jason, but eventually we see Cliff come in, take the ring from Jason's pocket, mm-hmm. which uh, it's insane that it's still in there. Like he was beat, he was kidnapped and beaten around and he still right. keeps a diamond ring in his pocket. Well, that was in his varsity jacket, right? It's well, Cliff no, pulls it out of his, his shirt pocket. pocket. Oh yeah. No, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah that's doesn't, the physics of it don't match. And then Cliff shoots him in the head. 
Yeah, Cliff executes him. So, yep. so I had mentioned to you guys right before we were recording that <laughs> and I immediately attacked you that for it. My, that my like non-expert opinion is that the shot looks weird, where he's like very point blank, gunshot to the forehead, but like there's nothing comes out the back of his head, and he slumps forward. And now right. you. Immediately attacked you. Immediately attacked you for saying that his head slumps forward as though you have never, ever watched one single show about JFK's assassination. (laughs) There's even a myth. Like, everyone talks about that. It makes sense that his head falls forward. Right. Point blank from physics. Okay. That's how physics works. Now, the splatter part, I am no gun expert, but I think a lot of what we expect with splatter, talking about JFK's head being blown off, is we piece everything what we think about is a shotgun because a right. shotgun shell is hollow and it breaks down. Right. Which is just thing about like getting shot with a shotgun is that the actual bullet hole itself is probably not that deep. It's the splatter that hurts. I mean, the whole thing hurts. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> makes it worse. Um, and so point blank, it, at that point, the gun is, is a handgun. There's no way that bullet's broken down. And oftentimes, there isn't an exit wound. At point blank, I would expect there is an exit wound, but that bullet has not slowed down. I mean, it's certainly slowed down through the skull and the brain matter, but I don't think it's slowed down enough mm-hmm. to leave right. more than a pinpoint in and out. Okay. I mean, yeah. Or uh, they didn't want to show a head blowing up because right. it's network TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hashtag network that's TV. That's sort of yeah. what I thought it yeah. was. But... <laughs> yeah, no, that's almost certainly what it is, but I just want to throw it out there. Like, right. I mean, we all were homesick one day in high school and found a JFK marathon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, dad yeah. My dad is very big in a JFK. I don't believe, I'm like not invested in them, but I will watch like conspiracy theory and yeah. like ghost hunting shows all day. If anyone's looking for a new show, Rob Lowe has a go- oh, yeah. ghost hunting show with his sons yeah. that I love. Love it. I love it. It's so dumb. His kids don't believe it. Um, <laughs> so now we get the long-awaited Jughead voiceover. Mm-hmm. And this is what he Jughead says. Jughead back in, in control. Yes. He says, later we would learn why my father confessed because Cliff Blossom visited him on the night of his arrest with a threat. That I, Jughead Jones, would suffer the same fate as Jason Blossom if my father didn't confess. Mm-hmm. So there is a discussion here about why Sheriff Keller let Cliff Blossom in initially, which I think uh, is a couple things. One is possibly because Sheriff Keller is somehow involved or at the very least wants to take the serpents down. Right. Another thought is this is, I mean, we've caught FP. There's no way this is any evidence is going to prove that he is not the killer and let's let this guy see his sons and see his son's killer and rough him. Give him the opportunity to rough him around a little. And there are references earlier in the season that Sheriff Keller is like really in the Blossom's pocket and and like really does whatever Clifford tells him Mm -hmm. to. It's just like so bafflingly the wrong thing to do. Yeah. (laughs) But But there's a lot of that. There's a lot of mishandling of the law on this show. Yeah, true. And then Jughead says, but the nightmare isn't over. Sheriff Killer's like, hey man, your dad's still going to be in jail for a long time. He's tampering with evidence, obstruction of justice, mishandling a body, and perjury. And I would like to add drug dealing, particularly with a minor, stolen car, bribery, ransom, blackmail, and kidnapping. Yeah. Something for thought. He's in for a long time. We find that Hiram Lodge is coming home. That also legally doesn't quite add up, but okay. What's your legal... Well, like, 
so he is arrested for some Bernie Madoff fraud or right. whatever. And then what, just because of the testimony of his wife and daughter that he's a good guy, they're like, you know what? I don't know that, it, is it determined that it was on the testimony alone, though? Well, that's the only thing that really Because legally, though, right? Hermione does not have to testify for or against him in court. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, that's the only thing that happened. Right, but it sounds like, so, there's also, we don't know the terms of his release. Uh, right, right. We assume, first of all, we have to assume that he is in the same state he committed the crime. Right. So they are in New York. So they are in New York, right. Legally, but, like, also the show probably doesn't track this. Right. But we, he certainly has a parole measure. Right. We don't know how involved with this business he's allowed to be. We don't know if he is on house arrest. We don't know if he's being, right. has an ankle monitor. Right. There's a lot we don't know, and I also don't know how high and how many people he hurt with his right. uh, Ponzi scheme. There's a difference between hurting corporations and hurting individuals. Yeah. Uh, we have to remember this... that Bernie Madoff went up against very famous people with a lot of money even without that. Right. We don't know who Hiram swindled. I think it is possible that Hiram could be released. Right. Would this be pre-trial even, though? Well, if he was in prison, it was post-trial. Okay. And I assume that their testimony was as an appeal hearing. Okay. If it was an original trial, then he had been in jail. Right. And that the bond has been lowered. Right. As a result of their testimony. These are all things that I hope they But if it's his bond, then he probably is not allowed outside the county to come into the crime. I hope that they really delve into this in season two. (laughs) And this is all that season two is about. Yes. Like the the technicals of Hiram being released from jail. Well, I think it is interesting because it's it's a pretty short period of time still. I mean, we're only... Right, we have no idea what season it is, but I think it's assumed that it's at this point. I mean, they just had homecoming. Right, but they had multiple homecomings. They had had a, had a, a pep rally... In episode two. What was that dance in episode one? Um, homecoming. Yeah, yeah, I guess not. It was just a... They, they do homecoming right. all the time. Yeah, yeah there's multiple homecoming in the show. Professor Riverdale High. Yeah. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I have caught multiple homecoming experiences. Yes, right. totally. Yeah, it's, um, it's very it's bizarre, funny. But, yeah. Mary leaves and Archie does stay. Like, we all knew he would. And she's like, maybe you can come to, su- like, summer in Chicago, which is, like, a weird thing to do. But also, if I'm going to get to Chicago, I guess summer is... Like better than yeah. how awful it must be in the winter. Exactly. I've never been to Chicago. Neither have I. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then the cops come to get Cliff. We don't know why he did it. The cops come to the Thornhill, and before they even get out of the car, Cheryl and Penelope point them to the barn where we find Cliff hanging and a barrel of maple syrup spilled with drugs inside. Yes. So Cliff. The, the gig is up, Cliff. And yes. he has hung himself and taken his secrets with him to his grave. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that his first reaction is like, I've been caught, I'm going to kill myself? Or do you think that Penelope and Cheryl like had something to do with that? I think Cheryl had nothing to do with it. Right. I don't I know that. I believe that, that Penelope doesn't. And I do think there is a certain degree of motivation to kill himself to leave then there's no testimony from him there's no way to get penelope and cheryl he's just been so shameless about everything the whole season that it's i mean i i do get it why he would do it Mm -hmm. but it just i don't know and then but then what i think is tough is that he did spill that keg of maple syrup so now so this is what i think happened 
is that he, to hang himself, stood up on a barrel. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, it's plausible that he did it, but it's... And then he kicked the... Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we all agree on the mechanics of how that barrel knocked over, but... So this is how people hang themselves. I'm going to explain it to you properly. (laughs) (laughs) I already explained jurisdiction. The federal state prison. I'm going to explain how a noose works. Pistol gets shot into your head. When rope goes on your neck. <laughs> but he used a it chain. Makes you not breathe. He used a chain. He oh yeah, he did. He uses a chain, yeah, to hang himself. Brutal. Yeah, right. fucked up. But okay, cool. Yeah, but I mean, I guess at that point he doesn't care. That, yeah, because also right. like he wanted to like keep Penelope and Cheryl safe, but then he Does just he? like revealed that he's been dealing drugs. I don't and think now he they're... wants to keep the family I don't think safe. He cares. I don't think he cares no, about them I think, at all. Yeah, there's gotta it's be more there. Yeah. I think it is that now potentially he's now like implicated with having the drugs because now that they know that FP lied, they do right. know that FP knows something about Cliff Blossom. They know that he held Jason Ransom for a reason. Right. And now he assumes that FP will rat him as a drug dealer. Yeah. And that he's besmirched the Blossom name. Yes. And yeah. so... Unless the Blossom's fortune for many, many, many generations was drugs. Right. Because remember, he's trying to pass the drugs off right. to yeah, Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So that is stuff that I hope will be revealed in season yes. two. Like, actually, legitimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So overall, one of the best episodes. What an episode. Yeah, a real roller coaster. And next week, season finale. <gasps> yep. Episode 13, The, the Sweet, Sweet Hereafter. Hereafter. I like that there's 13 episodes in the season. I think it's poetic and beautiful and mm-hmm. strange. Yeah, the next season is 22. Oh, Is cool. it a full 22 or yeah. are we bringing it up to chapter 20? Because, like, oh. they start with chapter 14. I was under the impression, I'd have to check, but I'm pretty sure it's a full season order. Okay, awesome. But a full season order is different between the comedy and the drama. Right. I don't know. We'll look into it, loyal listeners. Yes. All right, so power rankings. Power rankings, we didn't even add up because ours were so different. So what were yours? My number one was Joaquin oh, this episode. Oh, you know what? Go go up like a top ten. Oh, oh Just for fun. thanks. Casey yeah. Kasem it. All right, I was going to say, let's get Paul Schaefer involved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so at the bottom of my six game chain mate, people, power makers, power, you know what? It's fine. Uh, we started at the bottom with Alice. Mm-hmm. Love her is Archie. Mm-hmm. Veronica. Mm-hmm. Hal. Mm-hmm. Cliff. Mm-hmm. And Joaquin. Oh, mine's a little different. Indeed. Coming in, number seven, it's Archie's lawyer mom, Mary. Okay, you can't do it like that. You're not allowed. I'm not allowed to do it like <laughs> no, that? No, it's against the rules. Oh, please. No, it's against the rules. <laughs> Letterman or bust. Oh, Letterman or bust? I wish I had a better Paul Schaefer impression. Than you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why Paul Schaefer impression is playing the piano. He's playing the key. And going, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, yeah. Yeah, man. yeah, I was in that first season of SNL. I did a lot of coke. Exactly. Number six, Joaquin. Number five, Hermione. Number four, FP. Number three, Betty. Number two, Cheryl. And number one, Cliff. Yes, I think we both agree that Cliff, for the first time, is on the ranking and is very high because this is the episode because where he murders, murders a his child. fucking son. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Also, too, I just want to say there's so much action in this episode that so I'm not much. surprised that our lists are so discrepant. So many people do so many things. Yeah, exactly. That we just picked up on different things that stood out to us in the episode individually. And now we all have crush lists, including Right, Scott. wait, 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 back yes. up. Number one in the rankings. Oh, Vegas, Vegas. the dog. As always. Yes. Now where the crush is. Who wants to start? I'll, I'll go, go for first. it. Yeah. So, so like, 
like I mentioned, Cheryl's really, like, number one for... Every episode, like, yep. Yeah, by a mile. Agreed. And she, she is great in this episode, too. Even if she weren't in this episode, like in episode six, still number one crush. Yeah. But then Betty. Betty does, like, so much. She's mm-hmm. so Nancy Drew here. Mm-hmm. And then Jughead. So sad. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh, you like the broody. You like the broody boy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. Like a good broody boy. I, I made it very clear it. that I like very few types of boys. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> For straight woman, I'm just not interested in most boys on TV. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> no musicians. No brooders. That's right. You don't. <laughs> no like, improvisers. You don't no like, comedians. You don't like drummers, and I love drummers. Oh, I don't like any musicians, but especially not drummers. Oh my god. As Jug- a drummer, Jughead's a drummer. That's fine. He's also broody, but, you know. Anyway, uh, I'll do my crushes. Great. My number one was Jason. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to give props to him because this yeah. was his episode to get murdered. That was yeah. nice of you. He didn't deserve it, but that's fine. Number two was Joaquin. Yeah, very dreamy. And number three was Cheryl. Yeah. Ugh. My number one was Betty this episode. Mm. Number two was Alice. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I love Alice almost as much as I love my number three, Cheryl. Ugh. Now, guys, this episode is running a little long. Great. So, do you want to... <laughs> to hit my... Is KJ Apple to... related to The Rock an in-depth analysis? Can you do it in five minutes? Absolutely. All right. So, Kate has an exciting segment for us today, but Kate, I'm going to let you reveal it because it's amazing. <laughs> great. Great. So, today, the news hit that The Rock's character in Moana is based off of his grandfather, who is high... Chief of Samoa. Uh Uh-huh. Now, I've not seen Moana, and I don't understand... Moana's awesome. I hear. Yeah. I don't understand the logistics of ascension of power and... In Samoa? In Samoa, and I can't think of the right term, but I'm thinking of it in relation to the crisis of succession is the historical thing I'm referencing here in my head, and it doesn't matter. It's not even the same race. Okay. So I don't know how it works, but we also know that KJ Apa's father is a Samoan chief. And I'm under the impression that it's certainly family-related, how that brings in. And I don't know how big Samoa is, but I'm fairly certain it's not that big. And that there is, like, a pretty high rate that a lot of Samoan people are related. Mm-hmm. And while Katie's dad is, like, a chief of a village, it's a village within wherever the Rock's grandfather, who most certainly is dead by now based on how old the Rock is. I refuse certainly. to call him by his birth name. Yes, he's the rock. He is the rock. One time in my head, I referred to him as Dwayne Johnson, and I startled myself. <laughs> um, but there is reason to believe that they're like third cousins themselves. Uh, I want they them could to date. Incest. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you guys, I'm just really excited that today I was like, oh my god, yeah. the rock and KJ App could be related. You would, you would think that if this were the case, someone would be talking about it, but I'm on your side on this. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. I mean, they're both such charismatic performers. Right, and it, KJ, neither of them grew up in the island of Samoa. Yeah, KJ both Samoan. Right, right yeah. was in the mainland of New Zealand. Yeah. And The Rock grew up in America. Yeah. So, yeah. who knows, you guys? Uh, on that note... Well, I just wanted to throw oh. out, everything I've seen online has said 22 episodes. Season two. Oh, okay. I'm excited. Great. Oh, 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 and I want to throw out Def Jughead update. Yes. Shout out to my new pal, Matt Wilkie, who's a regular listener of ours. Oh, hello, Matt. And I met Matt um, in LA. He's an LA listener. And he told me that the original description of Jughead in the character breakdowns was going to be for a deaf actor. For Riverdale? Yeah, for Riverdale. Oh. And then they made a decision to not go that route with the character. And that's why there's all this Def Jughead fanfic out there. Uh, 
I still so don't think sense. that's the full reason behind such a breadth of Duck Duck Head. <laughs> well, it could be like but... one or two, and then people see that. Right, and, and then know, like there's this like weird like, like disability like fetishization. Right. Yeah. yeah, wow. Cool, right? So thanks for that hot tip, Matt. Thank you for listening through my fanfiction. <laughs> segments yeah, too yeah. that's big he listens to the whole thing wow yeah. my mom won't even do that i won't even do that anyway that Wilkie's <laughs> great for a lot of reasons great and that's only thank you matt Wilkie. yeah absolutely also i'm sorry to any deaf actors who wanted to be in this for sure <laughs> because that would have been really interesting but it was also a lot i feel like maybe in season two there could be a deaf character that's what yes. i'm saying That'd be really cool. Yeah, we did talk about how that could be a thing that they should do when we thought of the fan fiction, and now we know that they were thinking that there. They were thinking and if you it. bring me into the writer's room as the writer's assistant, I will definitely constantly remind you of this. And if you bring me into the room as the music consultant, then... You uh, will have no way to bring this up, and people will think it's weird, but I would support you as the writer's assistant. Thank you so much! Yes, no problem. So okay. thank you for listening. Scott, where can we find you? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Scott in Toronto. Wow, why don't you spell that? Oh, you were uh, yes, it's I N T E R R A N T E, and especially now that like when you hear this, Riverdale season two will be going, and I'll pretty much just be tweeting about that. Where can we find you, Kate? Well, thank you for asking. You can find me at Kate Vatter on a multitude of platforms and katevatter.com. Check out my articles on Funny or Die. There aren't that many, but I pitched a few more today, and there's one about Riverdale and one about that cowabunga lifestyle. Oh, great. Um, you can find me at louisperlman.com, although. Now that I have a full-time job, I need to revamp my website again. Oh, I added thing. this to my website last time I updated. Yeah, I need to add all this to my website. But also, find me on Twitter at, at Louis4711. That's a great way to communicate with me. And mostly, I just retweet stuff that I find interesting. But I'll be tweeting about Riverdale as well, of course. Find us on Twitter at XOXORiverPod. Yes. Uh, find us on uh, Tumblr at XOXORiverPod. And find us on Facebook at XOXORiverdale Podcast. And uh, next week will be our season finale. And then we'll be launching right into season two. So stay tuned for more XOXORiverdale! XOXO